Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis. Let me check my notes, McElroy. Okay. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Yeah, and you're listening to Shmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Zig, zag. What's that? I might even zog sometimes. You don't know where I'm going. Changing up the, it's not even 9 a.m. yet. Oh, man. And listen, can I tell you, listeners, uh, to kind of uh, uno reverso for a moment, um, I'm also very excited because this week started uh, the new uh, Great British Bake Off season. Yeah. We haven't gotten to watch it yet, but we're really pumped to start Bake On again. If you haven't listened to it, Bake On is our uh, watch and discuss uh, Great British Bake Off podcast. Uh, you can find it wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, <laughs> well, McRoy Family, McRoy Family website. Website. I'm very excited because this week we're covering my favorite kind of episode, mm-hmm. where I love an accessory-based episode. You sure do. Because the history of it is always so fascinating to me. And this is also, so anybody with children, I think, can tell you that there are just things that I think children inherently are drawn to, right? Where it's just like, what is that thing? I love it, right? Like a fire truck, right? Okay, okay. Oh, I think all children are like, how exciting, right? This is amazing. And as an adult, you're like, oh no, a fire truck, <laughs> right? And for we're, this week, we're talking about umbrellas. And for Wait whatever, a minute. okay, we have to go over this. Ugh, I say it wrong. I know my emphasis is you wrong. say it the way that you that your culture, I believe, says it. My culture, Appalachian. Okay, culture. <laughs> white people. <laughs> we you, don't have culture. <laughs> <laughs> you say umbrella, 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 umbrella. Umbrella. I say umbrella. I know. Listen, I know I say it wrong. I don't even know if other Appalachian people say it that way. I don't know why. I swat. Anyways, BB and Dot are both so drawn to umbrellas. And I think all children, there's something about it where a child is like, let me hold that. Like, and it's this they, fun. They love to hold it. BB loves to throw them up in the air and yeah, watch like a Mary Tyler Moore kind down. of thing. Yeah. They love to spin them on the on the ground. They love to like, I've even seen them do like umbrella fights, like sword fights. Well, and the thing is, too, if you're a parent and or, or any adult, I guess, and you're walking and you're holding the umbrella at uh, like a human height, <laughs> right? So that it's keeping rain off of both you and the child. And then the child's like, now give it to me. And I want to like, hold it. I know for a fact that I'm about to get rained on so hard. And yep. you just hand it to the child. And they always hold it like on their shoulders. So they're getting rained on. You're getting rained on. But uh, and then it's like you buy an umbrella for the child. Yes, and we you give them one, child size and they, they want still want yours. And everybody gets rained on. It's great and wonderful. So let's talk about, <laughs> and it's two different things. And if you have fancy children, like us, children that that long to be bougie, they uh, love parasols. Long to be like, Which, uh, like uh, what's her name, Marie Antoinette bougie. BB often puts a T at the end, and I don't know where that comes Parasalt? from. Parasalt? Yeah. Well, you can't just have one salt. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, ahem. We're talking about umbrellas and parasols, by the way. 
First. We're going to start with the difference? Yes. Let us answer the burning question. Are umbrellas and parasols the same thing? Can I guess? Sure. I'm guessing no, because I think umbrellas have a water-resistant quality where parasols are more decorative. Yes and no. Yes and no. So I'm right and wrong. Um, Yes. They are built almost identically. Parasols, however, are a, a touch smaller um, because they are, as you as you insinuated, they are only really used for sun, yeah. right? Um, where it's, you know, you don't need to make quite the, the shade pool for, say, your feet because they're often covered in shoes. Often. Often. Um, but with an umbrella, they are typically larger and... And yes, they can be, uh, parasols are not often weatherproofed in in the way of like moisture, but they can be. Yeah. Um, so is this like one of those like all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares kind of sure. deal? Sure. We're yeah. like, yeah, parasol is mostly an umbrella, but not all umbrellas are parasols. Yes. It's yes. In the, okay. So in all honesty, all seriousness, mm-hmm. tell me if I'm wrong. This feels very much like sort of a subjective distinction. Okay. Right? Where if I saw a a, a covering thing, a domed covering mm-hmm. that unfolded up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and if it gets rained on, rain's gonna go right through it on wet, right? I'm like, that's a parasol. Okay. Right? And if I saw something that was like definitely waterproof and covered a bigger area, I'm like, oh. That's an umbrella. It's like, well, it might be a parasol. I'm like, oh, it's not fancy at all. There's no fanciness to it, right? It's very utilitarian. That's an umbrella. But it doesn't seem like there are qualities that are like, if it's this, right? It seems like if rain's going to go right through it, it's definitely a parasol. But then the distinction between parasol and umbrella past that point, you got to follow your heart. Sure. Um, Are we saying that a parasol, like, inherently has holes in it? Because it can't have holes it has to create shade. No, I'm not saying it has holes in it. But like if I saw something that was like all made of like gauze and lace, right? And rain's hitting that and it's like going to be nothing, right? It's going right through it. That's definitely a parasol, right? <laughs> let me let me think. Let, let's change the frame a little bit. Let's think more of socioeconomic status defining parasol. So if a rich person's holding an umbrella, it's a parasol. <laughs> Historically, yes. Okay. Well, there we go. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Okay. Um, because the fancier your umbrella, the richer Now, try saying it are. my way, though. The fancier your umbrella. Right? <laughs> umbrella. It's fun. You're bouncing. Why are you bouncing your shoulders when you Because I'm making it? fun of you. Um, oh, hey. <laughs> sorry. Thanks for just nailing that. I'm, no, hey, babe. Babe, I loved the honesty in that moment. It was like my question caught you off guard and the mask slipped. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I'm making fun of you. What? I mean, I love you. <laughs> okay. So anyways, umbrella. We're talking about umbrellas. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway. Everyone at home right now is saying it out loud and saying, like, they how do I say it? Am I saying it like this? <laughs> do I say it like this? Are. Oh, no. All right. <clears throat> history. Let's talk about history. Um, okay. So when I think about a parasol, I think about a fancy British person, right? Or a refined young lady taking tea in her English oh, yeah. Victorian garden. Absolutely. I'm, I'm picturing 
uh, what's that like pointillism uh, painting, you know, where it's all the people by the like riverbank oh. having a picnic and it's all the little dots that make it up. That kind all of All I can it. think of is Sunday in the Park with George, but that's not the name of the painting. All I can think of is Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they're like in the museum oh. looking at it. But that kind of image, right? Of just like, yeah, we're out at a picnic. We have this parasol and maybe mm-hmm. there's like bustles everywhere. A lot of taffeta and gauze. Well, like a lot of things, it didn't come from Europe at all. It definitely came from China, right? Indeed. Yeah. Umbrellas boom. Boom, 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 boom. are believed to have first come from ancient China. Um, according to the legend, the inventor was a Chinese carpenter named Lu Ban and was inspired to create the device after seeing children seeking shelter from rain using lotus leaves. Okay. Uh, the early prototypes would what have a been... Cool, what yeah. a cool way to come up with an idea. I love when people mimic nature without destroying it. Early prototypes would have been made out of like bamboo sticks and yeah. animal skins. That's what I and... picture when I was picturing it. I was picturing like bamboo strips, you know. The, sure. Like, yeah. Um, and so, of course, like you know, like anything awesome, it just spreads around the world. Yeah. Right. Um, so probably traveled along the Silk Road. Sure. Um, not the dark web one, right? No. Like the kind of more ancient historical thing. Yes. Okay, great, got it. Yes. Uh, it traveled up to Japan and Korea and then across to Europe and other parts of Asia and all around, right? I would also be interested to look up because oh, I hate that this is true, but another thing I associate umbrellas with is like tiki and, you know, like uh, mm. thinking about uh, like Pacific Islanders and that kind of thing. And I wonder if that has any basis in truth whatsoever. No? No. I'm getting my head shaked. No? Okay, great. No. Cool, cool, cool. Great. Tiki in general is an American uh, invention. Okay. That actually tracks. That tracks, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So there's also artwork from ancient Egypt, Egypt uh, to show that they were also big fans of the humble umbrella. Um, now, see, that seems like that would be more... Sun-based, right? Because there was a rainy season for sure, and there were times where like the Nile overflowed. But it rained a lot more in ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia and that area in that time period than it does now. Yeah, but even then, right? It wasn't like raining every day. I mean, I'm not. I don't know that for sure, but I do know time machine and find out. I do know that the Nile River Basin, of course, was one of the most fertile areas, and I don't think that it could have supported the life that it supported if it only had a singular rainy season. I believe that it did rain more often. We're not history scientists, anyway. Um, so the earliest known Egyptian parasols date back to the fifth dynasty, which was around. 2450 BCE. Whoa, wait. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Like 2400 years prior to year one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot farther back than I would have guessed. There are engravings of nobility traveling through the desert with ornate umbrellas shielding them from the sun. Um, and, and of course, this was another way to demonstrate your wealth, sure. your status. Um, there are paintings in Egyptian temples of parasols being held over figures of gods that are being carried in procession. Um, and so this was, it was a different kind of, they had different materials. So it was a different iteration. It was like palm leaves or yeah, colored feathers yeah. on kind of like a long handle. So less for shading oneself with a handle that is vertical and more for 
shading others with thinking more like diagonally so, held. So when we picture, you know, like the servants standing by, like fanning people and stuff with them, there was right. also probably servants standing by, like walking, you know, covering them. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. It's funny that they're so old, and yet we've never seen like an Easter pageant with like Jesus and his like 12 disciples just strolling along with parasols. Come on, people. Let someone have the courage <laughs> to have Jesus and friends just twirling uh, lacy parasols behind them. I believe that the whole deal was like they gave away all their possessions. Okay. So again, we're going back to socioeconomic status where they probably discarded all of those sorts of things. But people probably were like, hey, I'm a big fan. Do you want my parasol? Maybe. I'm saying. So after trade routes became more established, the Egyptian parasol made its way to Greece and Italy. um, And the use of umbrellas flourished in the Mediterranean at this time, particularly in Rome, where parasols were used almost exclusively by women. Mm, Interesting. Uh, I make that noise because normally when we learn about these things, right, there's always like a surprising twist of like, well, you think about this thing as being uh, traditionally feminine, but actually like we talked about that with makeup and like high heels Mm -hmm. and, you know, like wristwatches used to be considered uh, inherently feminine and now they're, you know, seen as much more masculine. And it's interesting to me that it's like, no, even back in like ancient Rome, the idea of like a parasol and being, you know, protected from like sun and rain was like, ha what a womanly uh, desire. Um, I think, again, yes, it was definitely used almost exclusively by women, but wealthy women. Mm, right. Yes. So this wasn't it wasn't just a gendered um, accessory. It was, again, socioeconomic. Well, that's another thing we see a lot, isn't it? You know, when we talk about like finishing schools mm-hmm. and stuff, this mm-hmm. was not like, oh, yeah, every single person was going to finishing school. When we talk about like handkerchiefs and, uh, you know, like folding fans and everything, it's like, yeah, they were used exclusively by like this chunk of society mm-hmm. to separate this chunk of society yes. from the other chunks of society. That's it. Speaking um, of separating things, let's take a break for a thank you note for our sponsor. Hey, everybody out there. Listen, gather around. Gather around. Come in here. Yeah, you do. Yeah, scoot in, scoot in, scoot in. Nope. The booth is too Too close? Too close. Scoot back, scoot back, scoot back. I'll just project. I want to tell you about Zola. Yes, even you in the back. Zola. I want to tell you about Zola. From beautifully designed Save the Dates to invitations, to beautiful wedding website with a built-in registry, Zola's design sets the scene for the kind of wedding it's going to be. Listen, when you're getting married, it's not just about your big day. We all know this, right? Weddings don't just happen, Lord knows, right? But what if they did? Oh, It would be so nice. Well, <laughs> assuming that everybody, like, that you knew it was coming, I guess it would be nice. Not if you, like, woke up in some kind of, like, time twist movie, right? Where, like, well, this wasn't decision you made back there, and now you're married, and you're like, what? what? Um, <laughs> anywho, it's about all the days along the way, and Zola's here for all of them. And it's not just, like, you know, the online stuff of, like, sending invitations and save the dates and stuff. They can also suggest venues and vendors to make the experience more memorable. With our wedding, we did not use Zola, which I thoroughly regret every day. It haunts me. Every day our marriage feels like a sham because we didn't use Zola. I think Is that, it even a real marriage? Well, I mean, 
I really expected you decade, to answer That was clearer. a decade ago. Okay. So I don't think that Zola existed. Or if they did, they didn't advertise on podcasts like this that I listen to. Okay, then I guess we're still allowed to be married. But at that point, we had to figure out everything. You know, we were like, oh, what are we not thinking of? What's the thing? And we've talked about it a bunch, but we have this like big spiral-bound notebook of like, what are we forgetting? What's the stuff we're not thinking of? Asking our friends and family and people who had gotten married, like, what are the things we're not planning for? Now imagine that was just all in one place. And not only could you see what you're not planning for, you could also then use that same place to do that planning. It's incredible. So start planning today at Zola.com slash schmanners. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash schmanners. Zola, get married better. <laughs> is that it? Is that their tagline? It is now. <laughs> Hi, uh, this is Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cation. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun. And it's very exciting because what do we talk about? Comedy. Stand-up comedy. We both do stand-up comedy and have since the dawn of Christ. Well, Jackie. Is that offensive? It is offensive to me because you've aged me. <laughs> uh, we started in the late 80s and we're still here. You can't kill us. So go to The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun and listen to that. Jackie and Lord Show. New episodes Monday, only on MaximumFun.org. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. When last we left our heroes, we were exploring umbrellas and parasols in ancient Rome. Well, after Rome fell. What? Uh, yeah. This is how you tell me? This is what happened. Now listen, can we address something? <laughs> A big discussion going around these days where people are like, yeah, ask the men in your lives how often they think about ancient Rome. And I got blindsided by this question. I didn't see this coming. My friend Alice was like, Travis, how often do you think about ancient Rome? And I was like, uh, quite often. She was like, how often? I was like, I don't know, uh, probably once a day. And I did not know that that was uh, what she was looking for. And apparently, like, her husband was, like, three times a day, three to four times a day. <laughs> and the thing is, you just got to remember, people, that especially, like, going through history classes and the way people refer to everything, so much of, like, comparisons in my life have been compared to ancient Rome, right? Where, like, we see it as this, like, they had all these things, right? Like It also uh, lasted a long time. Well, the Roman Empire was very long-lasting. And we talk, like, we see it in all kinds of movies, right? It's referenced so much. Ask me how often I think about pirates. I think about pirates, like, twice a day. Ask me how much I think about cowboys, at least twice a day, right? Like, these things where it's just like, 
those are the touch points that I used to like understand these things as I was growing up, which is so much of why it's now like so difficult to untie the huge knot of like toxic toxic masculinity. Cause so much of these things are like used as like, hey, let me teach you about a code of honor by showing you cowboys and part right. It's all that. So it's yeah, we think about Rome a lot too much. <laughs> hey fellas, let's see if we can get it down to once a week. I saw a video about how the the female touch point is the Victorian era. I think that's absolutely true. I saw another one that was like, how often do you think about that moment in the Pride and Prejudice movie when Darcy clenches his hand? <gasps> yep, there you go, see? Yes, listen, we're a all lot. there. Yeah. I think about it We're a all lot. there, right. Okay, <laughs> I'm saying there's other examples. Okay. What do non-binary people think of? I don't know, but they don't think in computer code because that's binary. Okay, so um, the Mediterranean, still very much into umbrellas. Um, And so even as the Middle Ages uh, cast its shadow across Europe, places like Italy were still using parasols. Yeah. But they didn't become popular throughout the rest of Europe until about the 1500s, the early 1500s. And that is because of one person. Napoleon. No. Okay. <laughs> Catherine de' Medici. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so she is often billed as the, the Queen of France. Um, but she... You she know, was from the Medici's. She was from the Medici's. It was like this huge, uh, not even like royal family. I mean, like a huge family in like Italy and that area that like basically controlled everything. Yes. Um, and I learned about them from the Assassin's Creed games. Oh, she was very complicated, um, like like you do, mm-hmm. but very fashionable, and people really wanted to be like her. Her extreme wealth. And um, the family was a a well-known artistic patron, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so she brought lots of trends to France with her. Also, it's like a very powerful, I mean, it was very much like influential family Mm -hmm. in like the pure meaning of the word, but also in the way that we think about influencers now, right? Where it was just like, Everybody wanted to be like it's like when you get into Marie Antoinette and you know uh, you're you're Louis the Teens, mm-hmm. right? Where everybody was like, "I would like to be like that, please, please allow me to copy them, please." Uh, so she brought with her in her luggage when uh, marrying Henry the Second of France um, in 1533. She brought in her luggage a dainty Italian style parasol, mm. uh, which then. Spread to the rest of European royalty. Again, another way to delineate yourself from the plebes. Yeah. We've talked about that with like the purple dye, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where I think it was in Egypt, but it was like it was illegal for anybody that wasn't in the royal family to wear purple. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then fast forward to the mid 1700s. Umbrellas are manufactured on a commercial scale. Right. Um, They are sold to ladies of esteem. Um, Again, something usually relegated to women of high status. Uh, But it was becoming more and more common for the use of umbrellas in the rainy climates of northern Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is actually credited to a singular man in London. 
Sherlock Jonas, Holmes. No. Okay. <laughs> Jonas Hanway. Okay. Uh, I mean, this might not be true. Okay, lots of things on the internet are blown out of proportion. What? Um, but he, the claim to fame for this this gentleman is that he was the first man in London to rock the umbrella. Powerful, if true. Indeed. Okay. So he first came across. Where'd he get it? Persia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Apparently, he went on a business trip to Persia uh, and saw that these parasols that he knew already, right? Yeah had actually been waterproofed to keep the rain out. He became a lifelong fan of the accessory. And walking around London with an umbrella was extremely controversial at this point. People harassed him in the street, uh, calling him a Frenchie. Oh, no. Because, you know, when you're a Brit, the worst Uh, thing that people can call you is French. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, But... Apparently, he was never deterred and continued using it for the rest of his life, regardless of ridicule. Now. And now that umbrella sits in the museum. Here's the thing, right? You can look at this account and think about, I mean, the obvious homophobia, right? That's sure. That's inherent in this. Like that he was a man using something that was uh, generally relegated to women, he was being uh, hurled insults at, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, homophobia, misogyny. Yeah. There's stuff there. Yeah, a and lot of internal. There definitely is. But there is something even stranger at play. He was a vampire. A lot of people were nervous about the umbrella because they thought it would hurt the economy. Now, go with me here. Okay, I'm with with you. Yeah, okay. If you are a person living in London in the 1700s when it rained, you either got wet or you took a coach where you were going. So you got wet walking to where you needed to go or you took a coach taxi. Yeah. Right? And it rained all of the time. So coachmen relied on people giving them fares uh, when it was raining to keep them in business. Interesting. So he proudly, Jonas, proudly walked around flaunting his umbrella in the rain, saying, oh, no, I need not take a carriage, kind sir. I will not get wet with my umbrella. Mm. Yeah? And then people were like, you're a communist, or whatever they would have said at that point. Anti-capitalist. I I guess. But, you know, this, quote, portable roof, right? Um, This bumper shoot. Yes. Made it more... Made it more accessible for people to not spend their money on coaches. If you, you know, even if you were, let's say, poor, right? If you had an umbrella, that was a one-time investment that would help keep you dry every time it rained. Instead of constantly either getting wet or splurging for a coach. Especially if you had a big enough umbrella and it's like, I can use this for like me and my family or like me and friends, right? And it's like, now I don't have to get a coach big enough for like us and three other people, right? We'll just huddle under this umbrella while it's raining. Well, I mean, big enough. They were quite small in the day. I mean, these taxi coaches. Oh, okay. Anyway, who would have thought down the road, right? That this, this it's almost an act of rebellion, right? Against- If true. Against the capitalism- of of the coach industry? I guess. Take that. Take that? So Get, get those horses <laughs> out of here. Uh, he passed away, Hanway, Jonas Hanway, 
the Umbrella Man, passed away in the late 1700s, but he had an impact because the 1800s brought us an intense spike in umbrella innovation and popularity. Okay. So, I love the idea of umbrella innovation. Like, I'm sitting there. The only innovation I can think is, now you push the button, pops open on its own. That's when it happened. Yeah, I knew in it. The 1800s. Um, also, when um, people started moving to regular silk, waterproofing silk, using wax and lacquer, which made it more portable, less heavy, right? Um, I bet me it's stinky, though. Putting lacquer on there? Are you kidding I me? I mean, Whew. Maybe. Small price to pay. Uh, Historically, there had been like wooden frames or like kind of like baleen ribs and things. But this is in 1852. Samuel Fox invented the steel ribbed umbrella. Ooh la la. Um, About the same time, we probably started using the uh, spring steel for like hoop skirts and stuff, right? Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Um, And by 1928, the foldable umbrella was invented. And to this day, umbrellas continue to be widely used all over the world, but there are so many enthusiasts, especially in the United States, for umbrella innovation that the U.S. Patent Office is inundated with potential upgrades and designs. There are over 120,000 entries at the Patent Office with the word umbrella attached. Oh, boy. Redesigns that have things like sun trackers or interchangeable tops or umbrellas for dogs, right? Well, yeah, umbrella hats, Mm -hmm. uh, umbrellas for kids, umbrellas with solar panels built into them. Sure. Um, You name it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to. Let me see if I can. Umbrellas for shoes. Come up with six more. Okay. Umbrellas for shoes. Umbrellas for your plants. Umbrella... Umbrellas for your umbrellas. A bigger umbrella that goes over your umbrella so you can umbrella while you umbrella. (laughs) I think that's six. Author Susan Orlean once wrote in a piece for The New Yorker that they are, quote, so ordinary that everyone thinks about them. And because they're relatively simple, you don't need an advanced degree to imagine a way to redesign them. But it's difficult to come up with an umbrella idea that hasn't already been done. Now, I have something that I actually texted Alex about because I was so stoked. Here's some umbrella kit. Ah, I love it. Um, Okay, so Business Insider uh, published a really great article with umbrella-isms to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. First, choose an umbrella size that fits your frame. Too small an umbrella, not only is it not going to work for you, you're going to look a little silly, right? If it's too big, it's going to seem a little obnoxious to everyone else while you're walking on the sidewalk, right? So choose something that is appropriate for your size. Also, wait until you're outside on the sidewalk to open your umbrella. Do you know why it's bad luck to open your umbrella indoors? Because you're going to you, knock stuff over. You knock stuff over and poke people in the eye. Yeah. That's where that came from. (laughs) Um, When approaching someone shorter than you, it is customary to raise your umbrella so that they can pass, right? So if you're you're passing someone on the street, the taller person raises their umbrella. So you effectively kind of like go over top of Mm -hmm. the shorter umbrella. Um, And if you are the same, roughly the same height, the person with the larger umbrella raises there so that you don't poke the other person. Now, is there etiquette related to like when you walk up to like an intersection or something and you're standing there and you have an umbrella and the person next to you doesn't? Like, do you offer or do you just like shift over so it's covering both people? 
You know what I mean? Um, I think it's it's never unkind to offer. Um, you don't know like uh, where they're going. So if you are standing like waiting for the light uh, to turn so that you can cross the street, I think that's a great idea. But don't like try and follow them. You know mm, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a a momentary res- respite for them. Yes. But I think that's enough. Okay. As soon as you enter a building, close your umbrella and put it in the nearest receptacle or plastic bag. A lot of places have little bags available. Yeah. Um, Sometimes even there's like an umbrella holder at the door, right, that you can place your umbrella in and come and pick up your umbrella later. Um, Because you should always take the one you brought, not yeah, the one you wish was it's yours. It's bad etiquette to steal. Yes, Indeed. I think let's let's establish that. This isn't like leave an umbrella, take an umbrella. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> like like you do with pennies. Um, when you are holding a dry umbrella, try not to stick it under your arm horizontally. You're gonna poke somebody behind you. You are gonna poke somebody behind you. Um, Hook it over your arm like they would in uh, in Kingsman. Indeed. And Unless it doesn't hook over your arm, but just hold you get hold it. it, but try Have not a sheath, to use like it like a first sword. <laughs> try not to use it as a walking stick, um, because one, you're going to break your umbrella, and two, they're often made with like metal tips yeah. at the end, and you can scratch up people's floors that way. Yeah. Why do you think they make it with metal tip? That just seems to be calling for lightning, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know. You would think you put like a rubber stopper on the top or yeah. something. Yeah, protect you from I lightning. I don't know. Um, And so you mentioned the uh, superstition of Mm -hmm. opening an umbrella indoors. You are right. It probably is about knocking things over and hurting people. But there are a couple of other superstitions I want to go over. Before you get into it, though, doesn't it feel like exactly like when you have a kid and the kid wants to open the umbrella and you're like, don't open it indoors. And they're like, why not? And you're like, I don't want to get into a whole explanation. It's bad luck. Because it's bad luck, okay? Because <laughs> it's bad luck. I mean, it's like it's like mirrors and salt. Yeah, you just don't walk under a ladder. Why use, not? It's bad luck. Don't worry about it. People might drop stuff on you. Yeah, but that's too long to explain to like a six year old. <laughs> just say bad luck. Um, okay, so uh, perhaps there is a superstition further back, um, especially with uh, there are some theories regarding ancient Egypt. One was that. If you opened an umbrella indoors, you were angering the sun god Ra because the sun god felt like you were cheating him. Once again, doesn't that feel like something you'd say to a kid, right? Like, hey, we don't want to anger the sun god Ra, okay? So take the umbrella outside, Imhotep or whatever. (laughs) I don't know what just like a kid's name would be, but. Another goddess, uh, Nut, was the goddess of the sky. Uh, Some believe that the early Egyptian parasols were crafted to mirror and honor how she protected the earth. Therefore, the shade the devices created was considered sacred. So if someone of non-noble blood used one, the Mm. person supposedly became a walking beacon of bad vibes. Mm. That seems like a classist superstition. Indeed. Indeed. But probably... It's just awkward, right? If I if I picture like a Victorian parlor, right? There's knickknacks everywhere, people like shoved in tiny spaces when it's raining. Yeah. I open the umbrella and inside, I'm gonna knock something over. Yeah. I'm gonna don't hurt do somebody. It. Just don't do it. Just do it outside. Get rained on for point three seconds. You're gonna be okay. 
What if I made it sugar? Oh, not boy. Milk. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much. Thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to our researcher, Alex, without her, we would not be able to make the show. And thank you to you for listening. We don't want to make the show without you. So Please thank don't you for make being us. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and uh, we've got some live shows coming up in October. Uh, we're going to be at Philadelphia, I believe, on the 11th, October 11th, doing My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And then we're going to be at New York Comic Con doing My Brother, My Brother, and Me at the Adventure Zone. Uh, Teresa's come to New York Comic Con as well. I think we have like a signing and uh, some other stuff. I don't know. It's all going to be on our website, macroid.family. Check uh, the events page. You can find the calendars there where we're going to be, all that stuff, how to get tickets. Thank you so much. What else, Teresa? What am I forgetting? We always thank Brent, Brentel Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. As always, we are taking topic submissions, questions, and idioms. And if you have uh, any etiquette TikToks you want us to respond to or any like short questions, we could maybe do that on like the Macroy Family TikTok page. I don't know. I don't know maybe. Um, email those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and make sure you, you say hi to Alex because she reads everyone. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.